night. <coughs> if, you're not, if you're new with us, we've been in a series about better decisions, fewer regrets. Most of us, I hope all of us, would rather make better decisions and have fewer regrets. And uh, we're going to share with you five questions. We're on question number four today, and it's the mater maturity question. So I'm going to start with this. <coughs> Most of us, if not all of us, suffer from what I call one more thinking. All right? You all have experienced this. I, I'll just turn off the, uh, the snooze, put, turn the snooze button on, uh, turn the alarm off just one more time. Or um, uh, I've had one, this portion of food, but I, you know, I'll eat one more portion or more likely dessert. I had this dessert, one more dessert, another cookie or whatever it might be. <clears throat> or um, I'll just play this game one more time, even though it's past your bedtime and you should be sleeping. Uh, we all occasionally suffer from one more thinking. The problem with one more thinking is it rarely adds more. Not more quality, obviously you get to play the game more, you eat the one more dessert, whatever. But what you ultimately want is like get your rest or live healthily or uh, have good relationships. Those things suffer from one more thinking. It doesn't really add more to our quality of life, it usually subtracts. Now, <clears throat> this thing about <laughs> uh, one more, I got thinking about driving. Now, I'm just confessing here, I'm not going to say, you do this. But I know the speed limit most of the time and decide that a few miles, not one, but a few miles over that is perfectly fine. Um, legally, the speed limit is whatever it is, right? But I know no policeman's going to stop me for going two, three, four, five miles over the speed limit. So I normally drive over the speed limit. The other thing that's interesting to me, to, to me is it doesn't bother me. I don't feel guilty about it. I'm just confessing. You guys can decide on, on your own, okay? But if I figure this policeman's not going to stop me unless I go 10 miles over the speed limit, I'm pretty safe at five miles over. So here, here's why I share that. Our natural inclination, all of us, is to live as close to the line as possible. If I knew the policeman would stop me at five miles over the speed limit, I would only drive three miles over the speed limit, right? Um, but most of the time it's ten, so five, six, seven, I usually feel pretty safe. <clears throat> so what line am I talking about? Well, it's the legal-illegal side. Now technically, over the speed limit, it's illegal, right? But I'm not going to get caught. Responsible and irresponsible. Hopefully you want to be a responsible person. But all at times, all, all of us at times have gotten really close to that and sometimes over, right? <laughs> Into irresponsibility. Uh, moral, immoral line. You know, this is, this, this is moral. That's immoral, but you know, it, it's, it could be fun. I like to get as close as I can. Ultimately, though, what you and I are doing is flirting with disaster because you keep getting so close to that line, eventually what happens? You go over the line. Illegal, irresponsible, immoral. And we tend to make bad decisions. And they're based on an assumption, and I'm going to share it with you in different ways we think about it. If it's not wrong, then it's got to be okay. Well, is that necessarily true? If it's not illegal, then it's permissible. Is that also true? 
If it's not immoral, then it's acceptable. And if it's not over the line, then it's fine. Um, now, parents, got parents here, parents watching. Let me ask you a simple question. Is that the bar you want your kids to set for themselves? Those you don't have kids, what about your, your friends, about your loved ones, family members? Is that the bar, you, how low you want to set the bar for those people that you care about? Other way, do you think the people that care about you want you to set the bar that low? Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're joining us. But if you're a Jesus follower, we have another line we can add to the assumptions. If it's not sin, it's okay. Now, this is a dangerous slope that we've all gotten caught on and eventually crossed the line. So, I'm going to suggest that this is the wrong question to ask. To say, is there anything wrong with this? And the thing itself may not be wrong. Often it's not wrong. And when you and I think about this for someone else, what we're thinking or judging is not what they're literally doing at that moment, but where it's headed. Where going down that slope is eventually going to lead. Because that's going to be trouble, sometimes even disaster. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Take a couple of minutes to talk about re reviewing where we've gone. This series is about asking good questions. If you ask good questions, you can make good decisions if you pay attention to the answers. So that's why I've been saying each week, you've got to ask the question, but that's not enough. <laughs> we've all asked the question and did something else. So you've got to answer honestly, and we've all lied to ourselves, deceived ourselves. Answer honestly and then act on what we know is right because we've all known what was right to do and not done it. And this is huge, and we're going to see this in both passages of Scripture we look at today. You're not the only person impacted by your decisions. None of us live in a vacuum. All of us have relationships, people we care about, people at least we affect by our decisions, people at work, etc. So it's not just about you, as you impact lots of other people. And as we're going to see, as a Jesus follower, that's huge. It's not, we, we understand it. It's not just about us. So our theme verse has been in Proverbs. Uh, actually, it's in Proverbs twice. The prudent person foresees danger, foresees what's ahead, can kind of connect the dots and say, this, this, and this is equals something I don't want. But the simpleton, the person that doesn't think, goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Notice that word, suffers. <laughs> when you and I aren't prudent, when we just go blindly on, we're going to suffer. Not only us, we just talked about those people we're connected to are going to suffer. Now, we all have a grid of questions. Is this going to be good uh, fun? Is this, am, I, am I going to enjoy this? Can I afford this? Hopefully, will anybody be hurt by this? Uh, and if you're a Jesus follower, uh, hopefully, is this something that will please God. So the first question we covered was the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Which is a hard question to answer. So we said, really? Am I really being completely honest? Second question uh, a couple weeks ago was the legacy question. What story do I want to tell 
Or what story do you want other people to tell? At your funeral, what story do you want people to tell about you? Now, the great thing about this one is you get to decide. Now, you don't decide everything that happens to you, but you get to decide what, how you respond to what happens to you. So even in those things, negative things that happen to you in your life, you can make a positive story about reacting, acting in a positive way. So last week we did the conscience question and gave you this kind of little rhyme to help you. Is there a tension that, that deserves my attention? Is there a red flag? Is there something that's bothering you? Don't ignore it. Pay attention to it. And if you're a Jesus follower, the Holy Spirit's in you as part of your conscience. And so it makes sense to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Today's question, the maturity question. And mature people will ask simply, is this the wise thing to do? Not is it legal or illegal, moral or immoral, but is it the wise thing to do? Because the fact is this, and it's on your outline, a decision can be not wrong, not immoral, not illegal, and unwise at the same time. Both things can and often are true. So I was thinking about something I shared last week, and I thought, well, this fits in here, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, you know, uh, look at a more extended part of the, the passage. Paul is writing to church in Corinth, and he's talking about the freedom believers, believers have. He said, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything's good for me. And I'm allowed to do anything, but everything's beneficial. So not only is it not, not good, but it's not beneficial. Again, but it's not just about me. So He goes on, don't be concerned for your own good. Oh, I didn't finish reading it. (laughs) But also for the good of others. Now, it's kind of a strange passage because the context is he's talking about food offered to idols. So he talks about that a little bit, and then we'll pick it up a couple verses later. He says this. But suppose someone tells you uh, that meat was offered to idols, some meat you were going to purchase, some meat you were going to eat. Now, it seems kind of silly to us, but for some folks in that culture, it was a big deal. You didn't eat food that was offered to idols. Jesus' followers are no big deal because we know there's no, the idols aren't real. <laughs> so it didn't affect the food at all. So you had the freedom to eat it. So, but somebody else is concerned about it. So he goes on, don't eat it. Even though it's perfectly fine for you, in your conscience, in your belief system, to eat it. Don't eat it. Why? out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It's going to bother them. So if it's going to bother them, it should bother you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. So we need to be sensitive to other people's conscience is what he's saying. But then he he voices the, the same pushbacks you and I have. All right? He says, well, why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? It doesn't bother me. If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? Good logical questions, right? (laughs) But here's the bottom line question. I have all these freedoms, but do you and I have the freedom to hurt other people? That's what he's saying. It's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt their conscience for you or I, I, I to eat this meat. 
So what should our motivation be? So he goes on, gives us several ways, several ways to look at it. He says, so whatever I eat or drink, or whatever I do, don't limit it to eating and drinking, do it all for the glory of God. So there's, there's one grid, right? Whatever I do, do the glory of God. <clears throat> he goes on, don't give offense. That's another grid, grid right? Of course, n- not to giving offense would fit under the, the category of giving glory to God. So he, he, he mentions Jews and Gentiles. We would say believers and unbelievers. So don't give offense to believers or unbelievers. And then to notice this, or the church of God. Don't bring offense to the church of God. Now, on the flip side, we are not supposed to be over-sensitive or over-judgmental in our quote-unquote conscience. So we are operating under that freedom. And then he says this, I too try to please everyone in everything I do, which is technically I don't think what he's saying because <laughs> we're not supposed to be people-pleasers. Jesus wasn't. You can't be anyway. So what is, I think what he really means is what he follows up with. I don't just do what is best for me. I'm thinking about everyone else. I do what's best for others. Now notice the ultimate motivation or reason so that many will be saved. So people, I'm conscious with other people, especially people that aren't in relationship with God. I don't want to make a stumbling block, is the word we used to use, a barrier to their coming to God and experience the freedom I have, so I'm going to limit my freedom so that they can come to have the same freedom that I have. Hopefully that makes sense. The truth is this, though. Your and my greatest regret has been preceded by not just one, but a series of unwise decisions. They might not have been illegal, they might not have even been immoral, but they were a series of unwise decisions. Now, sometimes they were immoral. They may be illegal. So they weren't wrong, but they weren't wise. They weren't best, if you will. So, I mean, think about that one more thinking. You know, I'll stay up and watch, you know, one more show, even though it's past my bedtime, or play one more game, or whatever it might be, and then I'm not functioning as best I can the next day. So it's not one more, but is this the wise thing to do? So we want to look at something else Paul wrote, and he addresses this straight on, I mean, bluntly, <laughs> as, as we read it. This is Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> He's writing to a different church, church in Ephesus. He says, be very careful. What do, what, what do you and I need to be very careful about? How you live, meaning what? Not as what? What's the word? Unwise, but as wise. There it is. Black and white. God's word. So, you and I are supposed to be careful not to live as unwise people do, but as wise people do. So, again, this is God's grid. He's saying, okay, live your life uh, under uh, this grid of wise thing to do. So, financially. Is this the wise thing to do, to use uh, this, my money this way or, or go into debt here, buy this, purchase it? Not, is it unwise, but is it wise? Um, health-related issues, diet and exercise. Um, 
nothing wrong with this or nothing wrong with that, but is it, is it the wise thing, the best thing to do? Uh, relationships are big, right? So maybe it's not unwise to do this, um, but is it really wise? You have the freedom, but is it wise, especially for that person that you're in relationship with? Well, but what about your relationship with God? Is it the wise thing or the unwise thing to do? Um, I got to thinking about this this week. I, I so enjoy my small Actually, I'm in two small groups. And one thing that's really suffered, not only corporate worship, but small group ministry. And so I asked myself the question, what is the wise thing to do? To be involved in my small group or not to be involved in my small group? What do I miss by not being in my small group? I miss a lot. And I believe you do too. Uh, so if you ask yourself the question, what's the wise thing to do to be involved in a small group or not, even if you don't feel like you have the need now, you can be of a benefit to somebody else that's in the group. So if some of our groups are starting back up, I encourage you to uh, uh, be involved in one. It's the wise thing to do. So Paul's inviting us to make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every decision. Now, some of you remember the old translation that said, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Isn't that a neat phrase? How can we redeem the time? How can we make the best use of time? How can we actually redeem would be to relive it. We can't relive it, but we can uh, undo the damage in the future or doing the unwise thing in the future. So, I make the most of this financial opportunity, this relationship opportunity, uh, this uh, relationship with God opportunity, this work opportunity, whatever it might be. And he uses the phrase, in these evil days. I don't think I need to explain that, right? (laughs) Uh, We live in a fallen world, an evil world. Uh, Bad things happen all around us. Bad things happen to us. Um, Culture doesn't encourage us to do the wise thing, does it? In fact, it just encourages us to do the crazy things and wild things and immoral things and stuff that isn't honoring to God. And salesmen aren't telling you, that eh, this isn't a wise purchase for you. I mean, ever, has a salesperson ever told you that? I, I would very, uh, doubt it very highly. Uh, they, they make money by you spending your money. So culture isn't a help. So we have to be wise and take, make, uh, take, make the most of every opportunity. And then he goes on. Don't act thoughtlessly. <clears throat> uh, that's simpleton. He doesn't think, right? He doesn't think ahead. He's, Paul's saying, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do, what the Lord's will is, what would be honoring to God, what would be uh, build up your, your spouse, your kids, you know, being the best parent, uh, best spouse, best whatever it might be, Jesus follower. So don't, don't just go through life thoughtlessly, but understand what God's will is. Then he uses, to me, an uh, <clears throat> uh, interesting illustration. As I shared with you, I've never been drunk, so it's kind of hard for me to relate to this. But it says, don't be drunk with wine. <clears throat> he says, because it can ruin your life. And maybe some of you have had a time in your life where that was true. But he says instead, and he makes this parallel. Now, this is what I, 
I can relate to. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there is a, quote, high, there's whatever you're seeking through drinking that you can get from the Holy Spirit. And he specifically uses music, which I thought was interesting. I was sharing that with the praise team earlier. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. So hopefully you come and you sing. But even if you don't sing or you don't sing very well like I don't, notice this last phrase, this beautiful phrase, making music to the Lord in your hearts. We all can and should be doing that. And then he has kind of a catch-all. He says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much you and I can be thankful for no matter how difficult or how, uh, you know, Life seems to be treating us. Um, I've been thanking God to have a warm house. I have a warm house. There's people that don't have that warm. In fact, people in the Northeast right now are out of power. Some of them are not in, uh, have a warm house. Uh, the fact that I have a personal relationship with God. I have good health. I mean, all of us can go through this list I have four great kids and a bunch of great grandkids and so do some of you. So he said, okay, bottom line, give thanks for everything to God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> I'm going to divide this question up into three parts. And we've done this in the past. Some of you have been around a while. In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing for me to do? Both the things I did right in the past, <laughs> and I said, that should be encouragement to continue doing that, and the stuff I've done wrong in the past. In light of that, what's the wise thing to do? Well, if it was something wrong, I need to change. I thought of this uh, quote, and I didn't know where it came from. I've often used it, so I looked it up, and here it is. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Most of you have probably heard this. If you're like me, you probably didn't know where it came from. It was written in 1905 by this guy here in something he, that he wrote. It's often quoted. So if I can't remember the past, I am condemned or doomed to repeat it. Keep making the same mistake over and over again, whether it's financial or relational, whatever. No, 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 no. So we need to remember the past, even though sometimes it's, it's painful. So in light of my past, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? All right? I don't know what's going on in your life, but our lives continually change. In light of current circumstances, I, I thought of this this morning and I shared it in the first service. Uh, back ooh, a lot of years ago, I was speaking somewhere in a church, in a missions conference or someplace. And so, as often happens, some family invites you to, to eat at their house. At that time, I wasn't eating pork. Now I don't eat any meat, most of you know that. But at that time I wasn't eating pork and the lady graciously served us pork that, that night. And I, as best I could, I said, excuse me, that's not part of my diet. Um, and of course she felt terrible and I made her feel terrible and it wouldn't have killed me to eat the pork that meal. So, my current circumstance, if the same thing happened to me, guess what I would do? Even though I don't eat any meat now, I would just eat the meat. So in, in light of your current circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? And then I really like this last part because we all hope for a better future, right? In light of my 
future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Now, I don't know about you, but one thing that really breaks my heart is when I see people undermining their future, um, spending, their, spending money going into debt they're not going to be able to pay and eventually have to foreclose on their house or whatever it might be, living a, a lifestyle that's destroying their health, whether it's smoking cigarettes or whatever it might be, uh, especially relationally, you know, so strict with their kids. When their kids grow up at 18, they're going to leave and never talk to them again. These are the things that, that break my heart. People that are sacrificing, undermining their future by the decisions they're unwise, I would say unwise decisions they're making today. Now, nobody plans to ruin their future, do they? Nobody plans, I'm going to spend myself into bankruptcy. Or I'm going to, you know, treat my kids in a way that they won't talk to me when they grow up. Uh, I'm going to ruin my health so I die prematurely. Nobody plans to do that. The problem is we don't plan not to. We don't make those wise decisions that would result in our future hopes and dreams coming true. So, what's it look like for your life? I don't know. What's it look like? The reality is life is tough on dreams, isn't it? You don't need to raise your hand. Every one of us has dreams, hopes and dreams, earlier on in life that never came true, right? Maybe we're going to be a a professional athlete. Never happened. So you're still playing softball at 69 years old. I don't know. <laughs> um, inside joke, folks, sorry. Um, now, one of our problems is we live or use excuses, don't we? Especially about our future. Well, it's not going to hurt anybody. Maybe, maybe not, right? I can handle it. Anybody trapped in an addiction, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it might be, anybody trapped in an addiction said that at one time, right? Nobody plans to be addicted. I can handle it. There's no law against it. Yeah. There's a lot of things there's no law against, there should be laws against. And his bottom was always true. The problem with these, most of the time they're true. But his bottom was always true. God will forgive me, right? Doesn't matter how many times you've done it, no matter how bad it is, God will forgive you. So the struggle is that they're mostly true. So the challenge for you and I is to stop using excuses that impact our future. Because ultimately, on your outline, our excuses draw us into regret, right? Think about the addictive behavior. I'm addicted to that. It was excuses. Most of us know better. It was excuses. So, in light of my future hopes and dreams, I think this is big for you and I to keep in mind. What is the wise thing to do? Sometimes we ask the question, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in ten years? Uh, financially, where do you want to be? Health-wise, where do you want to be? Um, relationally, with your spouse, with your kids, where do you want to be? Um, spiritually, good thing to ask, like first of the year, every year, is am, am, am I uh, more connected with God? Am I uh, a more mature Christian this year than I was last year? Am I continuing to grow? If you and I don't protect our future, nobody else will. 
So don't settle for okay, don't settle for good, settle for best or the wise thing to do. Sometimes we say you owe it to yourself, but I think what Paul is telling us, more importantly, we owe it to others and we owe it to him. So I put the question together for you and here's my challenge for you this week. Ask yourself this at least once each day this week. You don't have to answer it, just ask yourself it. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my hopes and dreams for the future, what is the wise thing to do in this circumstance? Let me pray with you. Ah, Father God, thank you. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that you want us to make wise decisions. In fact, we are to think this way. I want to do the wise thing, not the unwise thing. I want to do things that don't uh, hurt other people, even though it might restrict my freedom. Um, You are free not to come to earth, to live. You are certainly free not to suffer and die. You have the power to, to, to come off the cross. But you limited your freedom so we might have freedom. And you're our example, God. So we pray we would follow your example and limit our freedom for the good of others. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we would pray for you today, the day you would make the wise decision (laughs) to invite Jesus into your life, to confess your sins and ask for your forgiveness. And no matter what you've done, no matter how bad or how long, God will forgive you. And the Scripture says you'll be born again. You'll start anew, start fresh in your relationship with God. Um, If you want to make that decision or you're making that decision, please let us know. We want to walk alongside you. God, we thank you again for your presence, not only here, but you go with us when we leave this place. And we want to be, have people see Jesus in us. And as we read, let all we say and do be for your glory. Lord Jesus, amen.